Hello church family. This is our first study in the in Exodus chapter 12. This is a very familiar uh, passage to us because it's really the first time where the Jews are going to celebrate the Passover. Passover is a very important um, event in the Jewish calendar and it's designed with the intention to make people remember what happened in the past. And we know as Christians that throughout history, the things that we learn in life are not it doesn't come from a vacuum, uh, meaning that when we talk about theology, a lot of what we've learned has been passed down by other people that have taught us, and they and they learned it from others that taught them. And this kind of uh, transferring from one generation to another is a normal life of the Christian. Um, and you know, for us as, as pastors, our job is to guard the truth. Where we see the scripture and, and the gospel as a, something that we need to safeguard, we need to protect, we need to defend it, and when we pass it on, we need to pass it on with everything intact, uh, meaning the, the theology that we've learned and the things and understanding of scripture and even ministry, all things that we that we've learned in this life, especially things that are from the scripture, we want to pass that down to future generations. Now, going backwards from where we are, from where we're at to the you know all the way back to the apostles we know that uh, we actually flow flow from a particular thinking and um, that's from the scriptures and everything ties together um, this is why actually if you read and study church history you'll find that there is a thread that ties us all the way back to the old testament uh, there's sometimes people think that as protestants that we get our doctrine strictly from um, right after Reformation, that as if like Christianity began from like uh, the apostles, and all of a sudden like it just disappeared, and then it comes back to life when uh, Martin Luther comes in. Uh, but no, that's not the case. If you even trace back before Luther and everything else, you go, you'll find that all of our doctrine and and everything else stems from uh, one faithful generation to the next, and or from gener one generation from, to another one. And it goes all the way back. And really, the Torah it functions in those terms. The Torah is actually the first time in all of, uh, I guess, redemptive history where they're actually going to pass something down throughout the entire generation. The first five books in the Bible is supposed to be passed down, and then, they and then we know by divine revelation and the Lord uh, working through history that we have all 66 books, that they're all part of um, the canon of Scripture. So when we look at Exodus chapter 12, understand that this is really the first kind of priestly thing that they're supposed to do, the first um, ritual or, or celebratory thing that they do, um, that the Jews are supposed to do, and they're supposed to do it for the rest of, uh, uh, for generations to come until uh, Jesus Christ can come in the first coming, and he's one who fulfills the Passover. But we'll get to that later this week. Uh, so for today, I'm just going to go over just not the whole chapter, just for just um, just the first 28 verses, and then throughout the week we'll go through the rest. And as I go through each of them, I'll just kind of draw some observation and insights that we can think about um, for us uh, this week. So let's start chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. Now again, this is significant that these two people, Moses and Aaron, shows up first. And that's designed to show you that this is the first generation of people where they're actually going to have something that they're going to do regularly. Moses and Aaron are not going to do supernatural things all the time. There's going to be moments, basically, there's going to be a time where all the supernatural acts will end. And they're going to have to go by faith of what is written um, and was revealed in scripture. Similar to how we are. You know, we understand that we don't. 
we don't have apostles that can you know heal people anymore because we have to we have something better we have the the written word of god that chronicles all of these miraculous events but this event here the passover is actually the first time where god has given them instructions that they're supposed to use for future generations verse 2 the this month shall be the beginning of the month for you it is the first month of the year to you now this is again very interesting too because if you one thing that we don't realize is that um, time is it's, it's it's yes is is linear, but it's often marked by those that are depending on what culture you're in is basically marked by the dominant culture, and here God is telling the Israelites that starting now you're going to have a new beginning, kind of have like kind of like you're, you're going to start over now you're going to have a new beginning you guys are going to leave this land and this is going to be the the, the time marker they're going to use and from this day on after um the, you're, that's how you're going to record time now there were obviously uh the patriarchs and everything before but this is going to be like a new beginning for them so it's kind of like we have like bc and ad well they would have had like um before uh before the passover and then after the passover uh, that's the kind the idea here and it's again for them to know that there's a new beginning for them verse 3 speak to all the congregation of israel saying on the 10th day of this month they are to each one to take a lamb for themselves according to their father's household a lamb for each household uh, i forgot to mention that for these first 20 verses uh the the big overarching point that we're going to see is actually the preparation and the promise of the final plague uh, remember that the, uh, there's nine places happened so far and this is going to be the the last one and for these first 20 verses we're just going to see the preparation how what they need to do and also the promise of that final plague continue on verse 4 now if the household is too small for a lamb then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them according to what each man should eat you are to divide the lamb uh, your lamb shall be an unblemished male a year old you may take it from the sheep from or from the gates so this is the idea that every family should have one, and if you can't, if you don't can't afford one, then you'd be in a household that actually has one. And, um, but you have to find a particular land that's one year old and it's perfect. Verse six: You shall keep it until fourteenth day of the same month, um, when that when the whole assembly of congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. And this is again is like a late night meal, and therefore we'll do it all together at one time, and they keep this lamb for t- for two weeks uh, with them. And, and this, this will be a picture of that they actually have some sort of relation with the lamb. And, and Jewish and, um, histor- historians have the chronicle of the Passover said that they would usually, uh, you know, let the lamb play with it. They'll play with them, they'll live with the lamb. They have this, almost like developing some sort of familiar bond with it. Then what they would do is they'll pray over the lamb when it's time to you know do this, when it's time to kill the lamb. They'll pray over the lamb and then they'll slit the throat in front of the, in front of the whole family. They'll thank the Lord and then they'll you know continue on with the meal. Uh, this idea is that like you're you're sacrificing someone or some or something that uh, that you're that you're familiar with you know that you've you've grown and have this affection for, which we'll see. Um, the theological implication how it leads to Christ uh, later in the week. Uh, verse, um, I say, let's see, oh, verse seven. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts on, and on the lintel of the house in which they eat. Now, again, significance here is that they're called to do this 
uh, sacrifice, sacrificial lamb part first, like the full sacrifice, to put the blood there first before eating it, which shows you that there's actually, that before you can even enjoy the meal, that there needs to be uh, a sacrifice that needs to be made first, that it's better to be right with God than to actually have the meal with God, because you can't have the meal with God without actually being right with him. First, they, they shall eat that they shall eat the flesh that same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Now, what's important here for us to realize is like this is a way of specifically cooking. And it, like verse nine tells you can't uh, you can't eat any of it raw because obviously it's going to be bad for you. And you can't boil it with water because it takes too long. But rather roast it with fire, uh, both its head and its legs along with it. So you basically throw the whole animal in. Now, Chinese people, we understand this. We see this with like a, a pig thing, right? And like certain. Uh, you know, weddings, we see like the whole pig being burned, like like fried. That's how it's the, this lamb is supposed to be, so just burn the whole thing. But the bitter herbs, was, is, I, I want to highlight. So we think at, um, some of the meals, like we think of this as an enjoyable thing. But the reason why there's what eat those bitter herbs is because this is, this is a very sad event that's going to happen. Death is going to happen all over. And they're supposed to constantly eat this to realize that there's going to be great crying and bitterness. Uh, so this meal, although it's often portrayed as something very nice and pleasant, it's actually supposed to remind them of something that's very um, dreadful, uh, very terrible. Uh, and that is the death of all these firstborns all over Egypt. Um, and again, there's a reason for it. Uh, because, you know, these Egyptians know who is who Yahweh is and they still chose to reject him. Verse 10, and you shall not leave any of it until overnight, but whatever is left of it until morning, you shall burn it with fire. Now you shall eat it in this manner with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. And it is the Lord's Passover. And it was very fascinating because I never noticed this until reading this, that they're, so they're supposed to eat all of it. They're not supposed to have anything left. And this idea is that this is not a meal that's designed for the sake of just eating. This is actually a religious uh, situation. It's 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 more about the the remembrance, the the dedication to the Lord. It's not so much about okay, this is just a meal, and also this is the meal night where they're supposed to be like ready to go. This is that their loins are girded, their sandals on their feet, and their staff in their hand, and they're supposed to eat it in haste. Meaning that this is not supposed to be something that it takes a long time for them to eat. And it's only a picture of them that ha having to leave the Exodus uh, and leave Egypt. Uh, this is supposed to be almost like. Jesus will cook this, eat it quickly, and then be ready to go whenever God tells him. And that's what happens in verse 12. For I will go through the land of Egypt that night and will strike down all the firstborn in the land, both man and beast, against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am Yahweh. The blood shall be a sign for you on the house where you live, and where I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall uh, you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now, it's interesting, he said he will execute judgment on the gods of Egypt. Um, even now in our modern day, people that try to attack the Bible, they look at the all ten of the plagues, and usually they could get to like the ninth plague. When they get to this plague, there's one that like, they can't really have an answer for. Like if you look back at all the plagues, they could say, oh, there's a, there's a natural scientific reason, explanation for this, like the water be turning to blood. It's, maybe there's some clay in the ocean, uh, in the Nile, that just you know, happened to make it turn red, which is going to cause all the frogs to come out. And then the, the frogs that come over the land, they'll say, well, that's not really dust. And then uh, they cause some dust in the air. And then these are not really dust. They're just too small, but they're actually insects. And then like, which causes, you know, all of these other animals to die. And they, there's some sort of explanation that go that 
that they try to make for every single one, but when they get to the tenth one, there is no scientific explanation. This is a supernatural event, and it's supposed to be designed to show us, and even the Egyptians then, that their gods, the false gods that they worship, is obsolete. He, God will make them completely useless. Verse 13, the, uh, oh, sorry, verse 14. Now, this day will be a memorial to you, and you shall celebrate it as a feast to you. Throughout your generation, you are to celebrate as a perfect or as a permanent ordinance. Same day you shall eat unleavened bread, but on the first day you shall remove leaven from your sh your house. For whoever eats anything leavened from the first day until the next day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall have a holy assembly and another holy assembly. On the seventh day, no work at all shall be done except what must be eaten by every person that alone may you be prepared for. So this, again, all this preparation work, they're not called to be lazy, and they're not even called to fast. They're just called to prepare. And this is all... These days, these 14 days are designed as a day of worship. You're, you're supposed to be intentionally preparing for this. Verse 17, you shall also do the feast of the unleavened bread, for this is the very day I brought your host out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you should observe this day throughout your future generation as a permanent ordinance. So now this is the second ordinance. It's like the, the feast of unleavened bread as well as the Passover. They're kind of linked together. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall... Eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. Seven days shall pass, be no leaven found in your house. For whoever eats what is leavened, that person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is an alien or a native of the land. So it's interesting here in verse 19, you see whoever, and it's like whether he's a native or an alien. So all those that are claiming to be worshipers of Yahweh, whether they were Gentile that got converted or someone that was born into the nation and became a Jew, everyone has to obey this. And if they don't obey this, they are going to be cut off from the land. Verse 20, you should not eat anything leavened, and all your dwellings you shall eat unleavened bread. Verse 21, then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, go and take for yourself lambs according to your families and slay the Passover lamb. You shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood which is in the basin and apply some of the blood that is in the basin to the lintel and two doorposts. And none of you shall go outside the door of this house until morning. Again, this is now Moses giving instruction that God gave him. This is again fulfilling what God has told Moses, Ab Moses and Aaron that he will do, that they will be God's mouthpiece of the people. And then can continue on. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood of the lintel on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come in to your house to smite you. You shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. When you enter the land which the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall observe this rite. And when your children say to you, What does this rite mean to you? You shall say, it is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses, houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians, but spared our homes, and the people bowed down in worship. Then the sons of Israel went and did so, just as the Lord has commanded, commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. So again, this is very interesting because this is a preparation and promise. And you have to understand what as all of this is going on, there are probably Egyptians that are noticing these things and they are doubting God. Don't presume the way that you think like, oh, everyone in Egypt is innocent. Uh, much like the Ark, Noah's Ark, when all the people died, they saw what's going on. They saw the preparation. They saw everything, but yet they still uh, leaned on to their false gods. So when you see this, and when in the next, and we're going to see this in, 
uh, on Wednesday's podcast was a lot of people are going to die. A lot of firstborns are going to die. And this is very sad. But yet these Israelite, these Egyptians, they knew what was coming. They knew they were warned and they still chose to ignore it. And, and again, this is, should be a call for us to evangelize to our, lo- our unbelieving uh, loved ones because we, need, we can't stop. You know, we, we should keep being like the Egyptians and like even Noah and whoever when we just continue prepping. When we continue, that's, like a sign, that's a way to warn people that judgment is coming. You just keep warning and warning and warning. And you don't stop warning until God ordains a time for either you to die or that person to die. We need to have a heart for the lost um, and because we understand that death is real, that it is going to happen, things that's going to reveal that that's going to uh, happen. Everything that the scripture says will come to place, much like back then, every word that God spoke did happen. And I think this should compel us to to remember the Passover of, of you know the Lord dying on the cross for our sins, and this is something we want to tell other people so that they too can escape the judgment that is that is to come. So. Um, that's the lesson for now that we could see the promise and the preparation of the final of the final plague the preparations all you know everything is that I've said so far there's a symbolic reason for it and the promise that means that God will uh, judge them again think about them this way in the mind of the Israelites they didn't have the Torah like we do they just they live by faith when God told them to do this they're like okay this I guess this makes sense and when it happened this was it's designed for them to remember that God fulfills his promise and they're going to tell future generations about the greatness and the power and even the terror of their God if they choose um, to you know, listen or even reject him, that there are consequences to both. That's it for today. Uh, this Wednesday, we're going to uh, go over the power of this final plague, uh, which is really a very sad chapter, but it's not a chapter that is uh, surprising to us and even to even those that lost their kids there. Thanks for listening. I hope this is helpful. Take care and have a good day.